0: Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening.
1: Y'all, y'all thought Bird Box was scary. How about that, huh? Man, you come to church, you hope we do not scare you into anything. You don't know what we're gonna scare you into now. That's a joke, everybody. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. Some of you are like, I don't know what's going to go on. Hey, what's up? If we haven't met yet, my name is Justin. I'm the next gen pastor here. Uh, currently looking for a place to sleep because I'm sleeping underneath a bridge in Tampa. Uh, someone said I look more like a trucker or a lost Robertson brother. This is what I got. This is what's so cool. And this is the truth. And we'll we'll get into some more important things later. But I just want to tell you guys, kind of give you an idea of what kind of church this is. If you're here for the first time, you're trying to find uh, find a place to be, which let me just say real quick. And we say this sometimes, but also legitimately, if there's a seat next to you, could you slide in real quick? Like everybody, like I'm going to start calling people out. Slide into the middle because we got some people looking for seats still. And one way, keep going, keep going. Don't be shy of anybody. Get nice and tight into the middle. One way we can show love to other people is giving them the end seat. Uh, because we've got people still coming in, which y'all want to celebrate a full house today? And that's a good thing. This is a good thing that we want to celebrate because the reality is everyone can come just as they are. I was talking to my wife this week. I got this fresh new hat and I was like, I want to wear the hat, but I've never like wore a hat when I spoke up at church before like that. And I don't know if I, I should do that or not. And this is what my, my wife said, was she's so awesome. and She's great. She told me, she said, babe, you you just be you and you don't worry about what anyone else thinks. And here's the thing for all of you. This is reality. You coming in, you be you. You don't worry about what everyone else thinks. You don't got to get yourself together. You don't got to be who you think you ought to be before you come into church. You don't got to have life all together. You don't got to know all the things about church and scriptures. You don't even got to believe what we believe. You can come in. Everyone is welcome here. Y'all make some noise if someone is welcome in the house today. Every type of person imaginable is welcome. So that could be you where well, you're coming in and you're worried. Like, am I accepted? Let me tell you what. You are accepted because you have God's value in you. And we want to welcome every kind of person imaginable into our gathering. And because we know that everyone coming in is somebody's one. Last week, uh, Brian, our lead pastor, started this idea, this campaign of for the one, where we are for the one. We're not just about filling rooms, although we celebrate what God is doing in our gathering. Really, we are about that one person, the specific person you've been praying for, that I've been praying for. People, we'd say, I would love it if you could give church one more chance. I'd love it if you could come in and hear a message of hope that's found in Jesus. And it's somebody's one that's coming in. That's why you got to move in. When you come in, you got to move in to leave one seat at the end of your row. Cause someone's one is going to come in and we are for the one. And because we are for the one, we want to be a movement. And in order to be a movement, you actually have to move. So what we're going to do, and that's practically like move your butt in your seat. But also I didn't intend for that, but that was free. Okay. I had to write that one down for the next service. But, but we're also going to move, last week we talked about uh, launching what we're going to call Center Point North, which is a campus, a venue uh, at the formerly Horizon Christian Church building, which we're excited about that, where it's going to double our capacity. And the reason we're trying to double our capacity in a short time is because people are praying for their one to come. And the truth is, if you look at any kind of uh, analytics or statistics, uh, you come into a room this full, and if you're getting here late, you felt this coming in, thank you for still coming in, you're welcome, is that when a room gets about 80% full, it really is totally full. And people are going to come in, and and some of you, this could be you, please come back next week. But some people, they'll come into a service like this, they'll be so full, they won't want to come back next week, because it's too full. And we need to make space. And that's why we ask people constantly, go to the 1230 service. That's something you can start doing right now. But also on Easter weekend, we're going to launch Centerpoint North. And we're going to have simultaneous locations going at the same time. It's going to have the same message. It's going to have the same worship. It's going to have the same children's ministry. It's going to be the same experience. We're just doing it literally around the corner. And we want to be excited about that. We want to celebrate that because God continues to do something in our gathering. We want to take a step and move forward. Y'all want to move forward with us? Let's do it. Because we got people in our reach, in our our city, that we can help them hear about Jesus. And so many of you have heard about Jesus and you want to tell people about Jesus. And that means the second thing we're talking about, uh, this campaign we're starting, you saw a backdrop out in the lobby. It's my 30 seconds of courage is a campaign we're starting where we want you to take your phone out, uh, take a picture, take a picture of the backdrop, record a video of a time you had 30 seconds of courage to invite someone to church. But also maybe some of you, someone else took 30 seconds of courage and invited you to church and you share that story from that perspective. And what this would do is you record that video, you post it, you put a picture out there and you can share your story because that's a real authentic way to just to get people to understand anyone can do this. Like it's it's everyone, we can do this. So take 30 seconds of courage, put that hashtag on it. uh, post it with the church so we know so we can use your stories because your story of having courage in inviting someone or being invited by someone will give someone else courage to have uh, the ability to invite someone. So we're going to do right now, we're going to pray uh, for courage. Uh, we know what we ought to do, but we just need courage to do the thing that we got to do. So would you stand up with me real quick? We're going to pray and we're going to roll into part one of this series called I Declare War. All right, let's pray. God, I pray that you would just give us courage to be active in our faith, God, those of us who follow you, that we could uh, take a step and invite somebody. God, you give us the ability to invite, uh, God, our coworkers, our classmates, our family members, our neighbors, that you would show us how we can build a relationship with with them, and then also give us the wisdom and courage to follow you and invite them to come hear about your message of hope. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. And y'all can sit. Down in your seat, man, we have uh, this brand new series today called I Declare War, and it's fitting that we're starting this right now uh, because it's it's January, we all got New Year's resolutions. Anyone here get a New Year's resolution? Put your hand up. Some, some of you need to re- resolve to put your hand up when someone asks you to put your hand up. You know what I'm saying? Like New Year's resolution, some of you do, some of you don't, some of you got your life all perfect. Reality is though, I know for a lot of us, like we put out goals and we want to change things because we're not content where we're at. Right, like in any kind of goal you have. For some of us, we have financial goals this year. For some of us, we have uh, physical goals. We want to like shrink our waistline. We got that keto diet. Don't worry, that's gonna make you sick in a couple weeks. But get that diet. Eat your cheese, all you want. Right? For a lot of us, like we're doing all sorts of things at the beginning of the year because we're like we want a fresh start. We want to do something. But what happens is, uh, for most of us, myself included, is we try to restrict ourselves from the outside to the inside, and it doesn't work. Like we try to hold ourselves to a standard out externally without ever trying to change who we really are. And when we call uh, I declare war is we're saying we want to wage war against what's on the inside because the inside that matters. And for some of us, war sounds like such a strong word, right? Like war like declaring war on something on a country like it's not like hey, we're like kind of friends and we're gonna have war. Right, like it is it is an all-out attack, it is serious. And some of us, you're not confrontational, and you're like, I just can't we all just be happy and like why do we gotta declare war? But the truth is, if your life looks anything like mine, it looks more like a battleground than a playground. Right? And you've seen this. And even scriptures would tell us about this. And even if you say, Well, I don't really believe in the scriptures, that's okay. If you think about your life, you'll probably see this is true of you. We primarily scripture teaches we have three battles we're fighting. The first is that we battle our enemy. His name is Satan. Now, this isn't like a red dude with horns and a tail and his pitchfork. Like that's not, you know, don't think cartoon Satan. If you read the scriptures, you'll see Satan is an incredibly powerful angel that God created that rebelled against God. And instead of rejoicing and looking to God as God, he said, I want to be God and has tried to make a rebellion against God. And he wages war against us. And some of you would say, I've, I've had things in my life that I would categorize as demonic or, or satanic and oppression, and, and we're going, like, this is a real thing. So our first enemy is Satan. The second enemy that we battle against is we battle the world. Now, the world is talking about, like, the, the mindset, the world view. It's not talking about, like, the physical, like, the palm trees and the beaches, okay? Unless you live in Florida. Then our world is kind of get out to get us, right? Like, think about it. We got gators. We got sharks. We got spiders snakes, panthers, mosquitoes. Can I get an amen? Like we got, I mean, even the grass here is not comfortable to lay down on, right? Like like for real, you think about it, like, like Florida is out to get you. But with scripture, when it calls the world, what that is talking about is it's, it's a mindset against a, a certain way of living. Primarily, if you aim to live the life God's called you to live, you'll probably encounter some opposition. Some of you've seen this you're at work or at school or on your team and you try to do something good, you try to do something caring, something that should be a good thing and someone's pushing back against that. And you're like, I don't know why this is such a big deal. This should be a good thing. I'm trying to do a good thing. I'm trying to love people and someone's against it. Well, that would be like a hostile worldview against the things that God would have us to do. But the last and honestly, the most powerful for most of us, the battle we fight is a battle within ourselves. Right? Like, like the things... You tell yourself the things you think of yourself, the, the way you interact internally, because this reality, you talk to you more than anyone else talks to you. I talk to me more than anyone else talks to me. I'm always in my head. And we see things and we we battle with things. We think things like, I'm never gonna measure up, I'm a failure. I'm completely ugly and unworthy. I'll never have whatever. I wish I had their life. I wish I had their car. If I was just different, they would accept me. No one loves me. I wish I had. I wish I had. I wish I had, right? you would really, like, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl, and if I didn't, I would call her. I wish, I, no, I'm just kidding. You know, some of y'all got that 90s hip hop reference. Thank you over here. But the reality is we can laugh about it. and We can embrace it, but the reality is you do you more harm than probably anybody else. The things you think can do you more harm than anything else in life. And our thinking is so important. That's why today we're beginning this series, I declare war on declaring war on our thinking because your thoughts have profound impact on your life. A guy named Craig who leads a church in Oklahoma said it this way, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a sucker for fast food advertisement. I will watch TV or I'll be online and I'll see an ad for like the double XL Chalupa or whatever new burrito Taco Bell has, right? And I see it and it's like I have a tractor beam. And I started thinking, how can I get that? It's like, I'm not like a child. Like I have a car, I have money, I could go drive and get it. But like I started thinking like, I want that food. And I focus on, I think about that, I think about it, and then pretty soon I'm at work, and we're talking about where we should go for lunch, and I go, oh, I have an idea, why don't we go to Taco Bell? And I manipulate and scheme the situation to get me to eat that food. I'm a sucker. But also, the truth is, I'm a sucker for things a whole lot worse than Taco Bell food, or any fast food for that matter. Like there are things in my life that I see that I start thinking about that I want that are going to destroy everything that I love, everything that's valuable to me. And if I give space to those thoughts, eventually they're going to show up in how I live my life. Some of you have been there. Some of you right now, if you were honest with me, you'd say, I'm living in the consequences of those choices. And it's painful. And this is why we have to declare war because the enemy within is not your friend. Scripture actually teaches that you have a nature that is, is we'll call it a sinful nature, a nature that's against God. Every single one of us have it, and when you trust in Jesus, and if you're not there yet, that's totally fine. If you never trust in Jesus, you're so welcome here. Everybody and anybody's welcome here. But if you if you trust Jesus or when you trust Jesus, you get a new nature put in you. But those two natures fight with you like two people in you, and some of you have felt this struggle for real. There was a guy named Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. Look at the, the Acts of the Apostles. Look at Acts in your New Testament. It goes through Paul's life, all sorts of crazy things. But he wrote this in Romans 7, where he talks about how the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep doing. Does that sound like you at all? And he gets so frustrated. He's a wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Like, who can help me with how I'm struggling internally? It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. So Paul was struggling with this, and God used Paul to write scriptures that would shape all sorts of Christianity. And I think if Paul struggled with it and we struggle with it, I think the solution is the same. The solution is Jesus. It's always Jesus. So this is what Paul wrote, because uh, we're gonna look at some scripture, because scripture has some power to it. You should pull out your phone or your Bible or seep on the screen so you can look at this. But Paul wrote this letter to a church in Corinth. And he said this to them because so often we can get so defeated with our thinking. We can feel hopeless. We can feel like victims of ourselves. And this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You all with me today? All right. You're doing okay. We still got some time. to so will get ready. Here we go. This is what it says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. You all say power. We have divine power that makes our weapons different than the enemy's weapons. They have power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And this is where it gets into our thinking. Check this out. We demolish arguments and every potential that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive how many thoughts? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What I love about this passage is that Paul is showing us we can have control of our thoughts. For a lot of us, that's a place where we've felt hopeless. Like, I just can't change what I think. I can't change what I do. I can't change who I am. And my mind is a battlefield, and I can't have any control over this. It's just difficult for me. And I got to tell you, if you're struggling through that, I want to hear you. I want to tell you that we will help you. No matter what it is, we will help you. The reality is, we have power to help you. What scripture teaches is when you step towards Jesus, when you turn and trust Jesus and stop relying on yourself, he gives you his person, but he also gives you his power. And when he gives you his power, you can do stuff. You can take every thought captive, not on your own power, but on his power. So you need to rest in his power. I heard a guy, Levi, he said it, this, which I think is so important for us to not have a victim mentality with our thinking. He said, you don't have to think about everything you feel, but you will feel everything you choose to think about. Now, Some of you have thoughts that come into your head that feel like it totally captivates your thinking. Can I tell you the truth? I've had those this week. I've had those this morning. And I got to take those thoughts captive because if I think about them, I'm going to feel them eventually. And this is also true on the other side. If you Choose to think about positive things, barring some disorder that you may have, which are legitimate, and you will be a different person. I've seen this true in my life. I have negative feelings or thoughts towards a person. I begin to pray, talk to Jesus, like, Jesus, I'm going to jerk towards this person. I don't like them. I need to change how my heart interacts with them. I need to change what I view of them. I start thinking about them in a positive way. I treat them completely different. And for all of us, we can have control over our thinking, but we need a battle plan, right? If we're going to declare war, that's serious business. And that means we need to have a plan for how we can declare war and wage this fight on our thinking with ourselves. Paul wrote this letter to a church in uh, Philippians or Philippi. It's called Philippians. And when you see passages of scripture where there are letters written, you can think, you can logically deduce that they have an area that they had a problem that he's addressing. So he wrote this letter to the Philippians, and this is what he says in Philippians four: "says Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again: Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Jesus is watching. Be gentle." Verse six: Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how many situations? Every situation, the thing that you think makes you unique and different and you got that struggle that no one else is struggling with. No, you're not that unique. You're not that special. You got struggles that everyone else is struggling with. They're just not telling you about it. Every situation you can do this. Every situation with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transforms or transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, real quick, if we can go back to verse six for just a second, I wanna show you something because for a lot of us, when we read verse six and we get to do not be anxious about anything, you immediately felt guilt, you immediately felt shame because you struggle with anxiety. And what I wanna say is when you look at this word, I don't think in studying this briefly, I don't think that this word is talking about an anxiety disorder. It's more talking about things that you concern yourself with, things that you're worried about. Some of you, you can't control what you're worried about. And you need help. Like the rest of us, you just need a different type of help. Because all of us need unique and individual help for ourselves. And that's why I think it's so important. As you look to the beginning of this passage, what is supposed to be the thing that shows and is evident to all people? It's our gentleness. It's not our intellect. It's not how often we go to church. It's not our financial generosity. It's not how we serve our community. It's our gentleness. We got to remember in our gathering, in our lives, in our community groups, no matter where we are at, that first we need to be gentle with people. Because you have no idea what their struggles are. And I think this is another way. We don't give people who struggle with anxiety or being anxious or any other kind of mental illness or any, honestly, any kind of struggle. We don't prescribe them two Philippians, four, six is twice a day, call me in a week. But we go and we interact with them and we walk through life and we show them gentleness because God's been gentle with us. God has given us his love. God has given us his care. God has given us his peace and his power. And because of those things, because I have those things, I'm able to be gentle with people. Because all of us, let's be real, we all need help, don't we? If you're struggling with something, would you make some noise right now let people know they're not alone? you're struggling with something? You're working through something. It's hard for you. You feel like you're alone. You are not alone. All of us need help. That's why we have a counseling ministry. We have David, who's our care, our counseling pastor who counsels people. He literally said this week in our staff meeting, he said, honestly, we need more people to counsel because we have people coming in with counseling backgrounds. We're going to an intern come in. He's counseling people. He said, we can counsel far more people than we're counseling. We need more people to counsel. And our counseling's free here at the church. Just this last service, a lady came out. And she said, how do I get connected to counseling? This is every single one of us, we all need help. But also for some of us, you got to hear this, you need to be the helper. For some of you, you've walked through things in life that have shaped you and formed you and impacted you and you've walked through them and you have a degree of healing through that and now it's your turn to help somebody. This is why next week we're going to have group leader training for our community groups because they change people's lives. Community group leaders are incredible people just like you who take time out of their schedule and allow people to come into their house and open up their lives to people and build relationships to help people. And if you've been thinking about maybe, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that, I don't know if I should, come talk to us. You probably are. I don't know everything about the Bible. That's okay. You don't got to know everything about the Bible. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. Hey, that's okay. We will help you. We will coach you through stuff. Can you love people? Can you help people learn about Jesus? And can you help people make a difference in their community? If you can do those three things, you need to be a group leader. And some of you, you need to be a group leader. Because people in our gathering need help. We could go through all the statistics and all the information. We could have people, honestly, we could call people up on stage and say, hey, you've been trying to get into a group forever, but no groups are available to you. Why don't we start some more groups? But I don't want to manipulate you into it. I want you to take a step and say, I want to do this because I want to help people. A lot of us, like, we need to help people. And for order for us to declare uh, war on our thinking, there's two areas we got to declare war on struggles. First, got to declare war on what we think about our own struggles, but we also got to declare war on what we think about other people who struggle. Because if I think I got my life together and you're so messed up, I'm not going to be gentle to you. If I think your struggle is so much worse than my struggle, I'm not going to be loving to you. I'm not going to be gracious. I'm not going to be like Jesus to you because I think I'm superior to you. But when I think about my struggle, I say, man, I am broken. I need help. And you're broken, and you need help, and you're broken, and you need help. We all need help. We can walk through life together and grow and change together. Is that the kind of community you want to be a part of? That's the kind of community I want to be a part of. We are broken people seeking a Savior who can fix us. And not fix everything. But in the end, he will fix everything. Some of you, you've been in church and you've heard a talk like this about changing your thinking and changing your mind. And you're like, yeah, but like, just read my Bible. It's not good enough for me. I don't know about that. Here's the deal. Let's, let's talk about a little bit of science of changing your your brain. Okay. Like your neuroplasticity. Fancy word, right? That's a $5 word. I got another one. Just wait. So. So some scientists did some research over medical students in Germany where they took pictures of their brain, like the actual physical picture of their brain three months before their final med school exam. And then they took pictures of their brain right after their medical exam, final exam, right? Real stressful three months. And they found in these medical students that the area of their brain that worked on memory retention and learning was noticeably different. Your brain can change. They also, there's another study that did several years ago in London with taxi drivers and bus drivers, right? Think about the two jobs are very different. Bus driver, you drive, you stop, people get off, people get on, you drive, you stop, people get off, people get on. Taxi driver, you got to figure out all sorts of pathways and figure out the way you get there, right? So they saw an area of the brain called the hippocampus. That's the other big word I got for you today. The hippocampus is an area of your brain that works through solving problems quickly and efficiently. And they saw of taxi drivers, That part of their brain was more active and larger than bus drivers because a bus driver, I don't got to solve problems. I drive, I stop, people get off, people get on. I drive, I stop, people get off, people get on. I'm a taxi driver. You got to get my cab. You tell me at the airport, I need to get downtown. I got to figure out the fastest way to get there. So this is reality for some of us. You've been pushing away science because you're maybe afraid of it or you're unsure of it. Like we don't have to push away science. I'm even more and more convinced that if you look to, The creation, it will point to a creator. Like, think about this, even this is and this is crazy, okay? Like I donated blood this past week because I was honestly, I had to burn some time and I was like, there's a blood bus, I'll get 10 bucks. Sounds good. Go and I donate blood. Here's I have no idea how the science behind this works. Some of you could tell me about it. I don't, honestly, you don't need to tell me about it, but I can give my blood away and my body will automatically recreate more blood. At least I'm assuming that's how it happens, otherwise I'm in trouble because I'm giving away too much blood. But that's incredible. Like, that is spectacular. And when I look at even even that part, that small part of how I've been created, I look to a creator. I say, something intelligent had to make this. This is not a slap. This is not to be derogatory. But I don't look and say, well, it just all happened in a Big Bang. I think that is less logical and reasonable to believe in a Big Bang than to believe in an intelligent design. And, And this is the deal. And this is like, if you believe in the big bang, like that's totally fine. You can believe in that. I can disagree with you and that's okay. I'm not saying I hate you, but I'm saying, when you look at creation, it points to a creator. So what we need to do is look at creation. When you feel like I can't change my thinking, look at creation. Do things in creation change? Can you change your thinking? When you feel like I can't do this, I can't do that. I'm just, look at an intelligent design. Look at the creator because the creator will show you things. So for all of us, this is where we take steps and go, okay, so what do I got to do? Like, what do I got to do? I'm working through, I'm giving things over to God. I can't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, I need to pray to God. I need to have relational conversation with God. And then what does it say there? Verse seven, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. This is reality for all of us. When we are anxious about things, it clouds our thinking. And we don't think about the things we should be thinking about. Several years ago, when Rachel and I were first married, we were living in this little uh, janky apartment, uh, to be honest. And some of you have lived in those apartments. Some of you are in those apartments right now. I mean, like, janky, like, uh, it was a duplex. got split into a quadplex, and our thermostat on our wall didn't work because the people in the other apartment controlled the heat for both units. Like, stuff like that. Uh, Or, like, the cops coming several times, knocking on the door. Hey, have you seen this guy? Does he live here? I think he lives in the back door, but, like, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Okay, I respect police officers, but that dude lied to me. If you're looking for some dude, if you're a cop in here, you know. If you're looking for some dude with a printout, like, you're not looking to invite him to your birthday party. Like, you're trying to get him. But on this little apartment that we had, and we were so happy to have, we were super excited, as our first place. We had on-street parking. And our neighbor across the street had several cars, and during the winter, he'd bring back uh, his uh, work truck, a big truck. takes up Literally, they took up the whole side of the street, and that was the only place we could park. I got so frustrated about it. I'd get so mad about it. And and because it'd be stuff like my wife, Rachel, if y'all know Rachel, she's about this big and hundred pounds and she'd get home from work at like 10 o'clock at night, and have to park around the block and walk back and like, dude, like I'm just getting frustrated about this whole, the family and there, you know, and literally I would get so anxious about it. We'd leave our community group. We'd leave after dinner, we'd be shopping, we'd come home. And when we get in the car and some of you, this is where you live. I would physically have a reaction to the anxiety I was feeling. My heart began racing. I was like, oh, I was just stressing out about a parking spot and we got good legs we could walk like like it wasn't a big deal but here's the reality i was so focused on the anxiety that i felt about the parking spot i was not focused on how i could love my neighbor to be honest i didn't care about my neighbor at all because i was caring about myself and this is where again i want to be so so clear i'm not talking about disorders that you have. I'm not talking about people who struggle with anxiety. I'm talking about when you are anxious in situations. If you struggle with mental illness or physical illness, whatever it is, we want to be a safe and welcoming place where you can receive help. Everybody is welcome here. We have counseling. We have people to talk with you, to walk through whatever struggle you have. I'm not condemning you at all. I'm showing you from my life. When I was anxious about a parking spot, I didn't care at all about my neighbor. I wasn't focused on how I could show that dude love. I wasn't focused on how I could think about a way I could build a relationship with him to build into his life, to be able to invite him over for dinner where we could talk and we could interact. you know what I did about it? I parked my car in the yard. I never dealt with it. I'll park my car up in the yard and we're just moving. It won't be a big deal. I'm not like super proud of that. That's just what I did. And for a lot of us, this is where we got to remember, God is telling us when we give us When we give him our pain, he will give us his peace. It says it right there in scripture. You can take it to the bank because Jesus said it, that when you give all those things to God, when you go to him with your anxiety, he will give you his peace. I believe if you look through scripture, uh, you see the very beginning, some of you, go, this is why you need to read your Bible so you can learn about these things, not as like a begrudging way to, I gotta, I gotta learn this, but just so you can understand these things. You look back at creation in Genesis 1, God creates everything at the beginning of the scripture. And he says, everything is good. He creates humanity. He says, you are very good. They had an incredible relationship. It was a utopian society. It was incredible. God and his creation, everything was going good. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no dysfunction. Even ladies, listen to this. There was no pain. Even in childbirth, there'd be no pain. Some of y'all are like, come on, why'd they mess that up? But but here's the deal. When humanity rebelled against God, instead of looking to God, and this passage says rejoice in the Lord, instead of rejoicing in who God is as a creator, they began to rejoice in themselves and said, I can be like God. I can be God. I don't need God. And when they rebelled against God, who is everything that is good, when you walk away, everything that is good, the only place you have to go is to everything that's bad. And our humanity has been fractured ever since. Fractured emotionally, intellectually, psychologically, physically. Like We are a fractured world. And I think because of that, and this is just just my thought, there are pains that we will never heal from. There are pains that you have experienced, that I have experienced, pains of death, of disease, of dysfunction, we will never heal from because we were never created to carry those in the first place. Because when God created us, he said, you won't have any of that. And we walked right away from him and right to it. And those things of death and disease and dysfunction are representatives of hell here on earth now. And Jesus, through his power, this is what we saw from the first passage we looked at. You get power. Jesus said, my power is that hell will not have authority in the end. And we as believers are going to say, if hell doesn't have authority in the end, I'm not going to give hell the authority today. Like I'm going to give it to God because when I give him my pain He will give me his peace. And then he goes on and says, now that you've given God your pain, now you've brought these things to God, now you have the emotional and mental capacity to receive something from him, which is peace, and then to focus on something. This is the list of things he says to focus on. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now check this out. You look at this passage at the beginning, it talks about how the peace of God will comfort you. But he ends this passage with saying what? The God of peace will be with you. Now this is the reality. If you're a believer, God has given you peace, but he's also given you himself, which is peace. And you can walk in a newness of life. You can walk a changed person. You can declare war on your thinking and be confident of the victory because Jesus has already declared the victory when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Like that is the God that we look to. That's a God we worship. That's a God we want to rejoice in. And I can rejoice in all the good things about God. That's what rejoicing is. You find good things and you just react to it. It's just incredible over the top. I can't believe it. And God's peace will be with you but the god of peace will be with you and this is the thing i love is is paul doesn't start this passage with saying you got to practice stuff he doesn't start this passage saying you got to have external restrictions on you some of you that's been your life you're trying to control things externally and it's pointless and it's worthless and you might have some control for some time but unless you change your thinking nothing none of that's going to last this is where, where Paul is saying, like, you have to do this. You have to give your things to God because God is the only one who's able to carry them. And when you do that, then you get peace. This is why you can see people walking through horrific, dark seasons of life and still keep being here, raising their hands, worshiping Jesus. Man, if you think everyone in this room that raised their hands and worship Jesus has is on the top of the world right now, you have a big, big awakening coming. So many of us are lifting our hands up to Jesus because we're desperate. I right now, life is punching me in the face and knocking me down. I got nothing else. I got nowhere else to go. i want to go to the one who is peace and ask him to give me his peace and be with me. It starts with rejoicing in God. It starts with God. It doesn't start with you trying hard enough. Paul wrote in this passage, we'll finish with this passage in Romans. If you've been around the church, you probably have heard this a few times. But Paul's passage here in Romans, it says, therefore, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, again, brothers and sisters, we are family. We show gentleness to each other because we are family. We care for each other because we are family. We sacrifice and love each other because we are family. In view of God's mercy, it starts with God, it does not start with you. In view of God's mercy, focusing your eyes on God's mercies, what does He urge them to do? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship Uh, sacrifice is not literally like you crawling up on an altar and killing yourself to sacrifice yourself to jesus because let's be honest if you did that you'd be no use of god on the earth because you're not on the earth anymore saying in a daily capacity take steps of walking in surrender in a willing surrender that not what i want to have happen is going to happen today but whatever god wants to have happen i'm going to obey even if i look stupid Even if I look foolish, even if it's going to cost me something, I'm going to do what God would have me to do. And this is, in some of your translations would say, this is, it's holy, it's, it's your true and proper worship. Some translations say it's your reasonable act of worship. Like when you see how good God is, it should draw you to react in a certain way. The problem is though, for some of us, we don't see how good God is. Like we think like you were all right, you were okay, you were good enough and God came in and he helped you a little bit. The reality is you are far more depraved and dysfunctional than you have any idea. You're thinking, and if we could be honest and private for a minute, the thoughts you thought in your head are so beyond messed up and you're not alone. We all got those thoughts. This is where Jesus is coming in and saying, this is reasonable when you experience who God is, it's reasonable to live your life for him. It makes sense. It's logical to do that. But then he goes on and said, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this is the reality for, for a lot of us. Even you read this passage and you hear words like conform and transform. And, and this is the truth about conforming. Conforming is easy, isn't it? Like, think back to high school. Some of you are in high school or middle school right now. Some of you, it's been a minute, so try to think back to high school or middle school when you were in a group of friends and something is brought up as not cool. It's really easy to just go, oh, yeah, that's not cool. Something's brought up as cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I remember I was in middle school. There were different bands that the guys I was hanging out with that liked, and, and my brother knew, like, this one band was, like, not a good band at all. And he said, no, I don't like that band. And we picked on him. We thought he was stupid. They asked me, Justin, you like this band? Yeah, of course I like the band. Because conforming is all about acceptance. I want to be accepted, so I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I'm going to dress a certain way. Some of you, you're trying to do that here at church. You start changing how you dress to reflect the people around you, or you start doing Christian cuss words, right? You say, shoot. You say, fudge. You say, son of a biscuit, right? Like, like you, you embrace the culture you your part of because you want to be accepted, but the reality is, Paul doesn't tell us to conform to Jesus in this passage. He tells us to be transformed. The reality is because you've already been accepted by God. Like if you are in Jesus, you've been accepted by God. You simply need to transform your thinking to be thinking thoughts of what God is thinking for you because the thoughts he has for you are better than the thoughts you have for yourself. So we got to transform our thinking by renewing our mind, by getting in scripture again not as a way of like a begrudging oh i just have to do this but as a way of i want to know about this if you want to know about something you'll spend some time reading and educating yourself on something if god has been so good to you shouldn't you want to spend time reading his word and start anywhere some of you have no idea where to start open up get the U version bible app find a reading plan you can ask me for a reading plan suggestion i can tell you like start somewhere Because when we see how good God is, then we will focus our attention there and that would change what we think. Because what we focus our attention to ultimately impacts what we think about and will always, always, always show up in what we do. And for so many of us, we gotta think about what Jesus has said over us and when to begin to declare war means that we need to remind ourselves of what Jesus has already declared for us. Like Jesus said, Like so many good things about us. You read scriptures, you'll see so many good things that he has said about us. And don't believe the lies because the lies are coming. Some of you, you wake up in the middle of the night. I was talking to this dude. He said, I woke up at two last night. I woke up at four last night. I'm believing these lies that the enemy is bringing towards me. And the reality is, the enemy sometimes is within. So you got to put the truth within. You gotta fight it from the inside out. When the enemy comes and he says that you are messing up and God will not love you, you can have confidence say, no, I am accepted based on what Jesus has done and God has a purpose for my life. When the enemy is coming and telling you that God has abandoned you in your dark season, you can re- take back the truth that God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Like I will always be with you, you can clap, you can bring out, when you come in and the enemy says you are worthless, you can tell the enemy I am not worthless. I'm a child of God. I am so worth that I'm worth the life of Jesus to God. And He has something for me. When you say, I'm unloved, I'm unlo- I'm ugly, I'm unwanted, you can look back and say, No, God has loved me before the foundations of the creation of the world were there. God loved me. When you feel the enemy coming and saying that you are a failure, you can't keep going on. You can say, No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you feel the pain and the regret of a foolish decision, it's like, I just can't get over this. You can retake the truth to your mind that you are more than conquerors in Christ. Like this is the truth we have to put inside of us because for so many of us, the most dangerous battle is the one within and we got to declare war. And the biggest thing that Jesus has declared over us is two parts. It's first that he loves you. And it's secondly, that you need him. He loves you and you need him. Every single one of us, we need Jesus. But the good news is that he loves us. The fact that we need God is not a mystery for a lot of us. We know we need God. That's why you can go up and ask someone, if God asked you why you should get into heaven, what would you say? And they'll say something like this. And some of you say this, well, I just hope my good outweighs my bad. The reality is your your good is never going to outweigh your bad. My good is never going to outweigh my bad. We need help. This is where God sent help in the person of Jesus. God himself came to earth as a man to live the perfect life we could never live to give us the life that we do not deserve, but it's a gift. Because of our willful rebellion against God, every single one of us is this way. I am this way. I have willfully rebelled against God. And because of that, I earn a punishment, which is eternity away from God. And again, if God is everything good, the only option is everything that's bad. And I need some help to get to God. And Jesus came and said, you need help and I love you. I'm gonna help you. Jesus came, lived a perfect life we could not live, died in our place because that is what the punishment required. But the good news is the payment went through when he rose again three days later, victorious over death, disease, dysfunction, the grave, everything. He rose to life to show he has victory. So when we stand here and we declare war, we are not declaring a war that we're unsure of the outcome. We can be confident because of Jesus, we have the victory. And that's how when we go through hard seasons of life, When we feel like there's no hope, we can rest in Jesus. We can say, if if Jesus, again, some of you, you're still trying to figure out faith and that's totally fine. I would tell you, look to the resurrection of Jesus. Do all the research you can on that. Because if that is true, then it is reasonable and logical to trust other things in scripture. If Jesus came back to life, then he is the only one that has the power to give us new life. And he gives us the power to declare war and victory over the enemies without, and most importantly, the enemy within. What I want to do is just a second, I want to ask you if you are struggling and if you could use prayer, I want to pray for you, but also I want to talk to you uh, if you are here and you say, I don't know if I have faith in Jesus. I don't know if I've, like, what does that even mean? And I want to just want to talk about it real quick. This is the way we put it for our CC kids. I figure if our elementary kids can hang with this, you all can hang with this too. We break it down real simple. Almost every week we reiterate this to them because truth is something you have to constantly remind yourself of. The lies will come no matter what, but truth needs to be something we remind ourselves of. You say, ABC, you admit, you admit you need God. For a lot of us, you'd say, yeah, I do need help. If I'm trying to measure up to be good enough for God, I need help. You admit, I need God. You admit you're not good enough, which honestly is hard for me. I hate not measuring up. It's one of those lies that will come into my mind, where I say, I'm not measuring up. That means that I'm not as worth or worthy. And and I got to reiterate the truth of my life. Like Justin, I will never measure up. Jesus did, I'm gonna rest on him. So I admit that, but then I believe, I believe that Jesus died, that Jesus died in my place. That Jesus took my punishment on himself to give me his life. I believe that. And the last thing is you choose, you just choose to trust Jesus. You choose to stop relying on yourself because you're broken. I'm broken. I'm gonna rely on Jesus, not myself. And you just walk in what scripture would call newness of life. But for some of you, you want the newness of life. You want a new life because you recognize the one you got is broken. Can I tell you the truth? When you choose Jesus, it does not mean all your problems go away. But it means you have power through the problems. You can choose Jesus today. It's a gift. You can't earn a gift. God wants to give us a gift. God wants to give us himself. For those who are trusting in Jesus and those who are struggling through something, those who are trusting Jesus for the first time, God wants to give you the same gift, which is himself. Would you all bow your heads and we'll pray. We'll wrap things up today. And as for some of you, uh, this is where I just want to give you some privacy because you're doing some, some work with jesus you've been thinking about this the whole time i said you talk to you more than anyone else and that's true this whole time you've been talking with yourself you've been trying to figure out do you measure up i want to ask out of respect for people around you if you'd close your eyes or bow your head just to give other people a chance to have some privacy if you're here today and you say justin i am struggling with something you don't have to tell me what it is but you are struggling with something some battle within that you feel like you cannot fight and you need to declare war would you raise your hand right now and say i declare war Awesome. You put your hand up and right back down all over the place. You're saying, I'm going to declare war. I need to declare war. You can put your hand up and right back. I see in the front and the back. I see on both sides and the center, all over this place. You put your hands up. You can put your hand right back down saying, I want to declare war. And for also, for some of you, as I was talking about turning and trusting Jesus, about admitting you need God, you know, you need God. To choose to believe in Jesus, that Jesus was enough. For some of us, that's the hardest thing because you think that your pain and your dysfunction and what you're going through is too much for anyone to forgive. can okay, I tell you, God has declared that He will forgive anyone for anything. He has that much love for you. Don't allow your own dysfunction to guard you against believing that God is good. God is so good. Would you believe in Jesus as the only way that He can restore your relationship with God? That He died and rose again, declaring victory for you? And then would you choose? Would you choose to trust in Jesus? I wanna ask if that's you today, two things. I want you to take that, I have decided card right in front of your chair. I want you to fill that out so we can walk through life because we talked about this. We are in a battleground. We need to get with each other. We need to be brothers and sisters in family and community together in groups and getting coffee and spending time together so we can build each other up to help each other through this battle called life. So you fill that card out, we will follow up with you so we can help you. But also if you're saying, I'm choosing Jesus for the first time today, would you raise your hand right now? You can raise your hand, you can put it up and right back down. If that's you, you say, I am declaring that I am choosing Jesus today. You can put your hand up and right back down. We are so excited for life change happening. We are so excited to walk through life with you. You can come to the after party. You can talk with us where we can connect and walk through life and help learn your story and how we can be gentle and loving to you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Now that you've given us peace. But also, God, you've given us yourself. Gotta pray that we could declare war. And as we do that, we would fight with the power that you have given us. We would fight with the weapons you've given us, God, and what we would, God, remember the victory we have in you. I pray for people struggling right now, God, through whatever it is that you would use your people and your spirit and your word to impact them and help them in life. That they could live with the fresh life, God, the new life, the gracious life that you've given them. We love you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, We would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.